Welcome back to The Reporter's Notebook, an Inside the Daily Press podcast featuring SMDP reporters discussing the most interesting stories of the week and previewing upcoming items of interest. Inside the Daily Press podcasts are produced by the Santa Monica Daily Press, the city's premier news source for two decades. Visit smdp.com for the news of the day. All right, folks, welcome back to Inside the Daily Press. Uh, Today we're doing one of our reporter notebooks, but instead of the usual two reporters, which would be Clara and Emily, uh, my name is Matt Hall. I'm the editor, so I'm going to be here today talking with Clara. Uh, Emily is fortunate enough to have some family in town, so she didn't have to work today, so hope she's out enjoying the weather and and Santa Monica and what what it's got to offer. Um, But Clara, how, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. Another busy week at the Daily Press. Lots of interesting stories. Yes, there are. Um, why, why don't you kick us off? Why don't, why don't you tell us something that you were interested you're interested in, or that you were excited to write about this week? Yeah. Well, one breaking news story that I hopped on was the resignation of the executive director of LASA, which is the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority. Um, a sort of controversial organization um, by some people's standards. It definitely gets a lot of flack um, for a perceived inability to respond well to the homelessness crisis. Um, Obviously, that's not just the fault of the organization itself, um, but, you know, talks to the whole political system revolved around our response to homelessness and just the inherent challenges in addressing a problem that complex. Um, But the executive director, who had only been in the position, I believe a little less than two years, actually resigned. Um citing, you know, pushback against some of the more progressive policies that she tried to institute. Um, The one she mentioned most directly in her resignation letter was that she raised the lowest uh, salaries of around 200 lowest paid people in the organization to $50,000 annually, uh, because that is sort of the lowest level of what is qualified as a living wage in LA. And she thought it was absurd that people who were working for this authority that's trying to prevent homelessness weren't making enough money uh, to maintain stable housing themselves. And she did this by freezing uh, the salaries of the top 10 uh, highest paid employees. And yeah, there was some pushback around that. And that's what she cited when she was quitting. But then she also talked about Some of the bigger problems and challenges she faced at LASA, um, namely that the organization is charged with doing so much, you know, addressing drug use, uh, having mental health practitioners, you know, feeding people into a housing system, working across the county. But at the same time, it has very little decision making capacity. It's controlled by all these other organizations, Board of Supervisors, City Council, uh, just to name two. Um, And yeah, this lack of independence and power over its own funding inhibits it from doing what its goal is, which is actually something that's going to be talked about um, next week in a meeting hosted by Catherine Barger, a supervisor um, that discussed the, the a county study into a better response system framework for addressing homelessness that could possibly include, you know, completely restructuring LASA. So that was a lot of information from me. Um, but that was something interesting I wrote about and something interesting that I have coming up on the same subject. Yeah. Also coming up next week on the homelessness front, we might get the results of the homeless count. Um, that's happens, usually happens every year. It was suspended during COVID, but volunteers go out, try and count the number of homeless folks that they see on the streets. It's the sort of standard bearer for the quantity of homeless people around. It's got some caveats to it, right? They, 
they only count folks that they physically see on the streets. There's no approaching folks. There's no checking in cars. It's got some caveats. Um, but it came back this year, and we should get those results very soon. We are thinking, we are expecting we're going to get them next week. So that's just something for folks to pay attention to. Next week we'll get some sort of, of measurement of the scale of the problem. Um, who knows what it will say? We don't know, but we should get that should get that next week. Yeah, and uh, that's Santa Monica's count. Um, this count is also performed all across the county. Yep, the county is a little slower than we are in getting their results out, but definitely in the coming weeks we're going to have a lot more information on you know how much the crisis has grown since the last count took place you know two years ago now. Yeah. Um, so as we said, uh, Emily's not with us, but she did a couple of stories this week on uh, local businesses. I like some local businesses. They are corporations, but they are corporations with a presence in Santa Monica. Uh, we had an opening and a closing, both of which people cared a great deal about. Um, the Rite Aid at 18th and Wilshire closed, and it was sort of a big deal. A lot of, a lot of readership. There were some folks who were freaking out about the Rite Aid. Uh, I will say there's another Rite Aid four blocks from there. Just go to 14th and Wilshire. There's another <laughs> one. You can find another Rite Aid. But that one did close. A lot of people were interested in it. There was a particular uh, mini gold rush of stuff because the Rite Aid put a ton of stuff on sale for a couple of weeks. So you were able to go in and get some highly discounted uh, vitamins or questionable supplements or other things that were left over from the people. Right, like The stuff that was left on the shelves, heavily discounted. Um, that store closed, and so... That's a big vacant space. Um, no real plans for it yet. No one knows what's going to go in or what's going to happen. But that's a big, that's a big space on a very busy street with a lot of um, sort of foot traffic right by there. Um, very popular Frommans restaurants right next door. So that was an interesting story she wrote. Um, on the opening front uh, today, we're recording this on Friday. Today's the official opening of the downtown Trader Joe's, which is at Fifth and Broadway. And it's sort of like a secret Trader Joe's, right? <laughs> it's like you go to one of these silly bars that people open where they're like secret bars. We have to know how to get in behind the door, pull a lever. You actually have to call a special code to get the garage to open to your car. <laughs> yeah. So it's got this speakeasy feel, but it's just a Trader Joe's. Yeah. But speakeasies are silly. Don't open one of those. If you're if you're an entrepreneur, never do that. Like <laughs> The only gu gu guaranteed way to have your business fail is to have people not know how to get inside of it. But set that aside, the Trader Joe's is underground. It's underneath the development at Fifth and Broadway. So you really do have to call a silly phone number to get into the parking garage. That is the way it works. But if you can park somewhere else on the street, you can walk, you can bike, lots of other ways to get there. It's in the parking structure. Uh, What's well, in the parking structure? That's where their entrance is. So if you get to Fifth and Broadway and you look around and you don't see a Trader Joe's, look for a staircase. <laughs> Down the secret staircase, you will find the Trader Joe's. Brand new, uh, very exciting. Lots of people are very interested in it. Those stories and updates we've been we've been writing about have been consistently the most read stories of the week when we write about the Trader Joe's. So everyone is very excited about that. Um, that makes the third Trader Joe's in the city. Uh, I actually lost track of how many other grocery stores there are. There are a lot. Uh, but that's our third Trader Joe's. So I think we're probably at Trader Joe's saturation yeah. point. Um, it's actually across the street from the, the city's newest Target, which is also at that intersection. So yeah, Target and Trader Joe's right across the street from each other. And right down a block from our office. Yeah, it's actually great for us. We get to go there all the time. I already use that Target a lot to buy my lunch. So now I will get to upgrade to Trader Joe's yes. lunches instead. Um, I guess the other the other thing that we should talk about, you know, this will be a shorter podcast because like say, 
Only only one real reporter here today, and then me. But then the uh, the other thing Not we should talk real about. Real reporter. <laughs> I didn't write the stories this week. <laughs> the other thing that we should talk about is uh, Ayo Katagiri, who is a very longtime Santa Monica resident and activist. And you know, I I knew her a little bit. I talked to her. I, I had seen her around town. You know, we we've crossed paths as I've reported on stories here over the years. And uh, she died this week from cancer. Um, and I know you you wrote a little bit about her. Um, what did who, what did some of the things people told you about her, Clara, when you when you yeah. talked about her? Well, I think sort of what was most telling for me about the character of this person as I was writing the article. Bear in mind, I've actually never met her. Um, but normally, when I'm writing articles and asking people for information, it takes multiple emails, you know, hours to get people onto phone calls, like a little bit of harassment here and there, and. I sent out a bunch of emails this morning to really high up people like the executive director of RAND, you know, the superintendent of SMC, worried that I wouldn't hear back from anyone. Um, and within half an hour of sending those emails out, I had both of those people on the phone with me calling me, like jumping at the opportunity to talk about IO, uh, you know, tearing up, uh, remembering all of her contributions. So that was just such a, a character test uh, to me. And I was really amazed by what they told me about her life. So she really lived by the code of always giving back. She was on, gosh, it must be at least 10 different boards mm -hmm. of um, nonprofit organizations here. So at Santa Monica College, she played a pivotal role in opening their early childhood lab school. And they're uh, there's a fund in her name that will provide low-income families with money to send their children to this early childhood education center. Um, she was the director of community affairs at Rand Corporation, which was a position she advocated to create because she thought, here's Rand, all of these experts working on public policy and you know cutting-edge research. Uh, they need to have a close relationship with the Santa, Santa Monica community because the community, community could benefit a lot from Rand and Rand could benefit a lot from the community. So she created that community connection um, and just did too many amazing things to list on this podcast. But if you want to read more about her life, definitely check out the obituary on our website. Yep. I mean, like I say, it's sad, sad news to end on, but she was, you know, people say the word beloved a lot, but she really was. She was just a really nice person. She had... Nothing but I think the community's best interests at heart. And every time anyone interacted with her, she was just a genuinely delightful person who, who like you say, super committed to giving back, super committed to bettering the community. Um, and, you know, it's a genuine loss to to have her gone. So sad note to end things on, but say la vie, that is news. It, you know, ups and downs is how it goes. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll have some better news for folks next week. So come back next Saturday for uh, Reporter's Notebook when – Emily will be back and back to our usual programming. So thanks for listening, folks. Yeah, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening to Inside the Daily Press. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts or listen on our website at smdp.com slash pod. Music for Inside the Daily Press is provided by The Brig Band, LA's premier jam band. To find out when and where you can hear them live, visit thebrigband.com. 